Science on the Menu, a podcast by the European Food Safety Authority. Hello and welcome to another episode of Science on the Menu. My name is Ed Bray and I work in the communications team at EFSA. And joining me today is Jean-Luc Dorne, who is a senior scientific officer working on scientific methodologies in risk assessment. Welcome to the podcast, Jean-Luc. Thank you very much, Edward. Today, we're going to be talking about animals, but not the animals uh, that are on our farms that are producing food and drink. We're going to be talking about animals that we think about less in the food safety system. And that's the animals that are tested on to ensure that substances uh, in the food system are safe. And we're going to talk about some more recent scientific developments that could help us to move beyond animal testing altogether. So first, uh, Jean-Louis, what is the purpose, actually, of animal testing? Historically, animal testing exists since the 1960s, after the famous thalidomide incident discovered in Australia. Can you tell me more about that? So thalidomide was taken as a, a drug, um, as an antidepressant or as a, um, a sleeping pill, and pregnant women took it, and then the, co- the, the consequence of thalidomide intake was basically children with no limbs. A medical doctor discovered that thalidomide itself was so-called teratogenic, so it basically blocked the development of limbs in in the fetus because it went through the placental barrier. From that, the legislation was set to then test very briefly all those chemicals for their potential to, to have adverse effects, for example, on the fetus, but also on any organ of the body, be it liver, lung, and so on and so on, to be very brief. Okay, so essentially it became mandatory, is that right, to to test on animals before certain substances could come to market? It became mandatory, so it, it is set in stone within the legislation, put it that way. Okay, and let's be clear, we're the European Food Safety Authority. We, we, we don't have uh, labs at, at EFSA for animal testing. This is done elsewhere around the EU, is that right? How does that work? So... Depending if the compound is a regulated chemical in the sense that industry submits the dossier to put this compound on the market, then we're talking about regulated chemicals such as food additives, feed additives, pesticides, and so on. Or if the chemical is an environmental contaminant, then of course, because it is a contaminant, it doesn't belong to any industry. So we would take for this contaminant the historical data we have, dioxins and so on, for example, when it is a compound that is about to reach the market or an application for this compound to reach the market, let's take a fungicide or a food additive, the legislation requirements, of course, would ask for data on toxicity of that chemical on selected test species. We are talking about rat, mice, dog and rabbit. Okay. O- often in toxicology, we talk about uh, the the dose makes the poison, correct? So I guess essentially that we are testing to see at what dose a substance becomes unsafe for for firstly for animals and then it's converted into something for humans. Is that is that more or less right? 
Yeah, absolutely. So you have the, what we call a dose response, which is Paracelsus, the dose makes the poison. From that dose response, we derive a no effect level, or if we do modeling, we derive what we call a benchmark dose limit. And from that, we apply uncertainty factors to convert the dose from animal data to human health in the sense that there, there is an, what we so-called uncertainty factor of a hundredfold, tenfold to take into account the differences across species and tenfold to take into account the human viability from the baby to the elderly. Okay. That way. Because basically humans are obviously different from animals and therefore there needs to be a, a conversion factor essentially to, to, you know, to convert it into something meaningful for humans. But I understand also a margin to, to ensure there's even greater safety. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. We know that um, in society there's a lot of concern, rightly so, about the ethical value of, of testing on, on animals. Um, and EFSA is doing what it can to move you know, in, in a direction where we don't need animal testing. And we adhere at EFSA to the principles of the three R's. So that's to replace, reduce, and refine. Um, can you talk about uh, this? The, the replace, I imagine, is to move to something, a system where we are not testing on the animals, reducing to reduce the number of experiments while getting the results we need, and refining to refine the experiments themselves to reduce suffering. Is that, is that right? Yeah, and on top of that, in the refinement with the new methodologies that, we're, that we've been working on for the last four decades, we can integrate some understanding of the processes that lead to toxicity, be it the toxicokinetics, which is what the body does to the chemicals, such as metabolism and excretion, and what the chemical does to the body, which is the toxicity itself. Sometimes metabolism will bring something which is toxic or sometimes metabolism will bring something which is not toxic anymore and it's eliminated in the urine, for example. So using these approaches, we can combine historical data from in vivo testing, which is animal testing, but also we can look at cellular systems that allow you to, to look at a number of given organs that would be targeted by that chemical be the liver, the kidney, lung, what have you, and then combining that within algorithms which allow you to predict the, both dimensions, the fate, so the kinetics of the chemical, or the effect, okay. the dynamics. And, and that's where we are now. We're already moving in that direction, the replacing of the in vivo testing on the animal to, to other options. You talked about in vitro, in taking essentially cells of an organ and, and testing on those rather than the animal. Um, but there is also new methods where we can do it with the data, the al algorithms modeling of the data. And I understand that you've been working on a, a very specific model um, called TK plate, which is moving us in the direction of uh, reducing animal testing even further. Is that right? Yes. So, very briefly, TK Plate is a, an open access platform that, that allows you to model the kinetics of chemicals, what the body does to the chemical, but also the dynamics of the chemicals. And it's relevant to human health, animal health, but also to species of ecological relevance, so species that are in the environment. Okay, so for example, a pesticide that 
uh, is tested on to see what effects it might have on birds or or insects or other species. Yeah. Um, you say it's open source, so any anyone could use it. Any scientist could could come in, input the data um, at the beginning, choose the the target um, organ, I guess, and then the outcome. Is that is that right? Yeah. So of course, if you you can register, and then you would have complete access to the to the platform. The first thing you would do is to select the model itself for a given species. And here we're talking about having models for humans, all the test species, be it the rat, the mice, the dog, the rabbit, and farm animals, pigs, cattle, sheep, and chicken, for example. And we are planning to put more models inside that. So you would choose your model. You would choose the chemical. So we are, there is a link to a database, but you can actually put your own chemical if, you, if it's something for which we don't have so much data. And from there you can actually select your exposure patterns. Let's put it in simple terms, the exposure to that chemical, and it could be an acute exposure, which is, for example, just one dose, or it could be a chronic exposure, which is a dose you would have every day. And and from there, we could, for example, simulate in vivo studies without testing for 90 days, which is the standard, or for several years. And you, you can simulate again, the kinetic of the chemical and go to the dose response to then calculate your safe level without testing on any animal. Is, is this being used already or does something need to be d d to change for us to use it systematically in risk assessment? So when we published the, the database, we, we took quite some care to, first of all, produce a user guide, which is available to, to users, but also concrete case studies to take the user through the different steps on how we can really apply it to contexts of relevance. Put, let's say, a food additive, a pesticides, and so on. And and of course, we we you you generate the data sets from from the simulations. So we've we've taken quite some care to to take the user through all every step all the way from inputting the data, choosing the model, all the way to downloading the data and generated what we have, which we call an automated report. And I imagine the more data we gather, the more can be put into the tool, the more, you know, the, the more established it becomes and therefore the more useful it becomes. Absolutely. And we gain experience. And of course, these models are so-called generic models because they can be applied to any chemical for a given species. However these models evolve as as we understand the biology of organisms because they get more refined okay which which could also mean uh greater safety for us we know more about the substances um and we're able therefore to to understand the effects better as well absolutely so the the consequence of metabolism can be the compound is eliminated from our body from the body or it can be bioactivated, which means that met the consequence of metabolism is the compound becomes more toxic. So if we understand the difference between these two processes, we can actually determine if it's what we call the chemical itself, the parent compound, or the metabolite that will exert its toxicity in, in a given target organ, such as the liver. And could, could you imagine this actually changing the whole 
process of risk assessment altogether that in the future if as you said that there were legislative changes that happen that uh we could actually have a world without any animal testing at all could that be possible well i think it's already possible to reduce it i would say at least by a significant amount you could do targeted testing by identifying using again cell systems even in animal cell systems and human cell systems you could identify the targets be it the liver be it the thyroid be it the lung be it the kidney and you could test that within humans human cell systems and let's say test species cell systems such as rats eventually if there is a need a legislative need to to get an in vivo study done then you could instead of having different studies you could have a very targeted study and it could be just one so that would be a reduction already of 90% of the testing wow so it's potentially a very exciting development in how risk assessment you know is is done and and will be done in in the future Well, I think that's all we have time for now. Uh, thank you very much for joining us, jean Lou, and explaining about this exciting development in scientific methodology. Uh, thanks to our listeners for joining us for another episode of Science on the Menu. We hope we'll see you again next time. Please subscribe to our social media channels where you can also find more material about our episodes. Um, but for now, it's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from jean Lou. Thank you so much, Edward. And... Uh, I hope to see you again soon on Science on the Menu. Bye.